Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, a roundtable discussion that's a mix of friendship, humor, unbridled enthusiasm, and tabletop RPG topics sent in from around the world. Hello, and welcome to the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, Season 30, Episode 23. My name is Kimmy. My name is Riley. I'm Jason. I don't think about Jason, so I'm not ready to get my cue. Because <laughs> he cleared his throat, and I said, patient zero again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, on today's episode, Ken in Canada, which is super fun to say, by the way, asks if it's okay to just RP straight white guy characters. James from the Panhandle asks about pacing a one-shot with no test runs. And Robin Australia asks about what systems work well for managing inconsistent schedules where players end up missing some sessions. So, and like, kind of like our Hexbreakers game where people are there and then Just they're not here. The yeah. <laughs> um, if you'd like to contribute a question or topic to the show, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. Uh, for announcements this week. Verk is giving away a copy of Dekuma, which is a little-known game that uh, we have no uh, familiarity with here on this show. And uh, so all you have to do is join the Discord and visit the giveaway channel uh, for more information. Basically, you just go in there and you hit, like, an emoji, and you're, there's a bot that's doing the contest, so nice. you can just do it. And uh, to join that, you can go to happyjacks.org slash Discord, and someone else has to re read the little bit right there. In a very official voice. This contest is not sponsored by the Hope of Golden Lasso Games. Just Virk's impulse to buy too many... To, impulse by... Just Virk's impulse buy of too many Nekuma decks. Yes. I couldn't get my, my voice around <laughs> the... Uh, I didn't do the thing that we often do when you said Nekuma, and I feel like I deserve a parade. Okay. <laughs> what's the thing? Now, what's, what's Dekuma? Dekuma? Yes. <laughs> That's okay. They did that in the chat room. Uh, <laughs> Oh, one really exciting thing about um, the Discord, that this week Discord is rolling out a forum functionality. Mm. So there's like, we're, we're testing it out. We haven't like totally switched to it. We're seeing how it goes. So there are some channels in there where it's not just freeform chat anymore, where you make a post and then people reply and it's more of a function like oh. where it's like slower conversation, which is very appealing to me personally. I saw you talking about it, but when yeah. I went to look at it, it was, only, it was only one thing, so I didn't understand what the functionality was. That, yeah. I love that yeah. because one of the reasons why I have been like slow to completely migrate off of the Fubook to to Discord is that I like that on the on the Fubook you can. I don't know why I'm doing it that way. It's I don't fine. know why. It's a new <laughs> thing that I tried to do just now. Yes. But the one thing I like about that awful, awful, horrible bane on society is that. It is good for groups because you can like see a post and like you might check it out a day or two later and it's still there. And yeah. like for groups, whereas like with Discord, if you have a popular Discord group, like the Happy Jacks RPG Discord, mm -hmm. it goes by so fast. Yeah. You're like, I, I missed what was happening and now I'm way behind. But if there's like more of a forum, I love it. Yeah. I love it so much. Yeah. We're not switching all the channels to that. But if it turns out working out well, there's a lot of channels that really lend themselves to more of that type of conversation. We'll definitely still have like chat channels too because that's fun yeah um, it's a good mix of both yeah i'm yeah. looking forward to seeing how it meshes yeah because yeah. discord frequently goes too fast for me yeah yeah uh, also i'm an i'm a hermit of the internet like i want to participate but from my hut and 
I like you said, I often miss what's happening. Right. Yeah. Well, I love the idea of, hi- of a hybrid of both. Yeah, I, th- I think that would be amazing if it really works well. The one thing it's not like le- the forum functionality, um, everything, the, a thread is archived after a week of inactivity. Okay. So it's not like a forum where it's n- there forever, but it's a, it, it's basically a slowdown of a conversation. Which is there is a way to, cool. can you pin something so it doesn't go away? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Because yeah. you can pin stuff on Discord like that. Yeah, I think on, on I think chat. as an as a mod you can pin like rules and stuff. Okay. So if there was a thread that we wanted to keep forever, maybe. But for the most part, like it's not like forever conversations. But okay. it, it's like it's just a to- a slower version of Discord, I which is it. kind of a great option, I think, and might be cool. Um so we're testing that out. If you want to go, there's like three of them right now. We might start adding in a few more. Um test it out. It should be fun. Cool. And again, uh, to join our Discord, you go to happyjacks.org slash Discord, and that will redirect you to the actual link to join the Discord. So don't be freaked out if it redirects you, because that's its entire purpose. (laughs) So that it's something we can remember, and you can remember. Um, And again, if you go and join, you can go to the giveaway channel and follow the directions there, and you can win your very own copy of Decima. All right. I now now rereading this line. I understand where I got it wrong. I feel like there's there's a, there's a missing apostrophe there, somewhere yeah. in this here. And it, well, it, yes, so. there is. Just want to let y'all know that yeah. I can do a better job with those terms and conditions. You're perfect. We love it. Thank you. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I yeah. see it. All right. Mailbag number one. Who would like to read it? Uh, I can read it. Okay. All right. Greetings to the Jackers from sunny Southern Ontario. I have a delicate subject to discuss, and I'll understand if you want to pass on this letter. We didn't, obviously. Um, Let me preface this by stating that I am an old, straight, suburban white guy. I was raised by two loving, inclusive, accepting, straight, white, suburban parents, but it was the 60s, 70s with all that that implies. So here's my issue. I am uncomfortable role-playing anything but straight white guys. The reason for this is not that I don't want to have anything to do with non-straight, non-white, and non-guys. It's more that I'm nervous that I'll inadvertently create an affront to the group I'm representing. Acceptance, inclusion, and support are extremely important to me as a teacher, as a parent of a bisexual son, as the bulwark of (laughs) forward-thinking behavior in a pretty conservative, redneck, smallish town. But I find myself periodically being corrected on my accidentally problematic behavior and language by my daughter, which I welcome. You don't learn if you don't open yourself up to lessons in life. Uh, however, she's picking up on these dated expressions, etc., in normal conversations. How can I avoid doing worse, uh, attempting to place myself in the shoes of groups of people whose lives and experiences are unlike my own? As an elementary school teacher, I'm always aware and careful about creating an environment in my classes where all students are part of the whole community, many of whom are discovering their gender identities or dealing with racial cliques or language issues. This is highly satisfying when it goes well, and it has often. I'm aware... Uh, I'm aware of having a good supportive reputation among the LGBTQ student community, but uh, requires a deal of care and consciousness of thought about what I say and how I say it. That consciousness, uh, that conscious effort on my part is perhaps not as welcome when one is just trying to relax with your friends over a couple of beers and having fun, which leads me to the root issues of this letter. One, should I just accept this state and not worry about stepping out of my comfort zone because it is after all a game to be enjoyed. And two, if the answer to the above question is no, how should I go about creating a skill set question to venture out of my comfort zone? Currently, I'm mostly GMing, so it's less of an issue, but hopefully that will change more in the future. I am alternate, uh, alternately GMing, then playing in a supers game, but my other alternate G, uh, game GM is moving out of town, so that's dried up. 
but hopefully, as I said, there will be other opportunities. However, this trend of mine is something that has been going on, I've realized, for about 40 years. In 40 plus years, I've never played anything but a straight white guy. Sometimes I have felt like just jumping in, but I've had visions of my characters ending up sounding like the cast of, a Mon of Monty Python and Drag. And yes, as a JM, I have played many NPCs who are not straight white guys, but that seems more short-lived and set pieces. They are less about acting and reacting in the environment full-time as more and more as levers to move a story forward with uh, thought-out actions and speech patterns. I do feel like my non-straight white guy NPCs have gotten stronger and less caricature-like, and I honestly, and honestly, that's probably due to listening to the alternate representations on actual play podcasts, and predominantly you guys, for which I would like to say bravo and thank you. So tell me, please, I'm an old redneck or chicken, oh, am I an old redneck or a chicken or just set in my ways, and can or should I try to break out of my mold? Help me, all you jackers, you're my only hope. P.S. I've got nothing pithy. Have, have a nice day. Ken. I think this is a very thoughtful question, and mm -hmm. I can definitely tell that Ken has thought a lot about it and is like legitimately concerned about it, and I think that's valuable. I'm, I am glad that he pointed out that he doesn't just play straight white guys as a GM as well, because I yes. think that would have been worse for That would have been terrible. Because it does stink when like you're in a situation every NPC is just like a stand-in for the DM and just another straight right. white guy. It's like, well, this is a whole world straight What was this? A movie yeah. from the fifties or from the late nineties or the twenty yeah. tens or twenty fifteen. Wait, anyway. right, yeah. Oh, well, so, <laughs> but I don't know. I think I'm kind of torn on this. I think I can kind of go both ways with it. I absolutely think if it's something that you are interested in exploring and you have like an actual drive to explore it, I think that you can do it. And I think, I think, don't think of it in terms of like, well, am I doing the right voice or am I do like? Don't try to do it as a voice. Don't try to do it as like a caricature. Just try to do it as the character that comes to your mind when you're thinking of that character. Mm -hmm. Like, what's the character that pops in your head, and that's how you play it. At the same time, I think for a home game, especially, I don't think you should feel obligated to do this if it's not going to make you comfortable and it's not going to go towards conducive like like rate of play. Having said that, I think like. I'm saying a lot, so I'm sorry, but okay. I have a lot of thoughts you? on this. How but, dare you? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Um, I think, like, when you said the thing about the conscious effort is not welcome when you're trying to relax with your friends and couple over beers, I do think that's, like, what session zeros and stuff are for. I think that, like, if you're coming into a new campaign as a player and you're like, hey, I kind of want to play this character, but it's outside of my normal comfort zone, and especially if you have players at your table who, like, might have an issue with it like like let's say you're playing with your son and daughter and your daughter's always calling you out for behavior like i think it's worth having that conversation to say like how do you feel about this like i did i did a show about a year ago last pride month in 2021 where it was for queers the game queers and we were playing pre-gen characters and the only i i don't like playing characters that don't use she her pronouns typically because I don't like not, I don't like being misgendered in characters. So yeah. I typically do play she her characters always. The only character that was she her was a woman of color, and they wanted us to use the art for the design stuff like that. And I was at a table with Abria and and Terry, and I was like, I how how is this for everybody here? Like how do we feel about this? And they were like, just don't do a voice, and you'll be fine. And that's what we ended uh, up doing. And that, yeah. was, that was actually going to be the number one thing that I mentioned is. Um, like try to get in the habit of just describing what people look like. Don't do an accent. Yeah. Don't do like a cultural way of speaking, like, you know, from, from like a regional or, or what you imagine. A, you like, don't, don't do any of the characters from, uh, Oh shoot. Uh, 
uh, rush hour. You know, yeah. like um, some of the it is kids. Not the sample I thought you were going to pull, but I get what you're, uh, what you're going for. Some of the kids in my class uh, were quoting uh, Wakanda when it mm-hmm. first came out, and I was like, and these are mostly white kids, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, guys, you can quote this movie, but you cannot do. It. None of us, including myself, can do that accent. Yeah. Like that is not allowed. Yeah, and that right there can go along a lot of the way there but also i think like like what you were saying as a player i would feel no obligation to not play yeah uh you know what you are personally comfortable with yeah. as a gm i feel like it we do need to people our world with some variation <laughs> a lot of variation. yeah yeah and if you <laughs> don't describe them it falls to defaultism yes. and yes. and that will be whatever most of the people at the table think you look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's a responsibility, I think, that we take on as GMs. Yeah. Um, I, I, I find myself also, and you've all watched, well, not all of you, but m- people who've watched APs for the last number of years mm-hmm. know I always play, like, she, her characters. I have uh, moved away from there. I usually, I sometimes play femi characters that use they, them now, but that was kind of like a, the first step. Um, and I, I have occasionally for like one shots play tried to play he him characters and it's just something I am not comfortable with. Yeah. And it's just not it's just not something I like playing. I have no problem with men. I love men. But nerd. Yes. <laughs> but uh <laughs> but that's just not who I like roleplaying. I mean, maybe it has something to do with my total feminism and like being an Amazon and all those things. But, um, so it's interesting if you wanted to try and take steps like they, them is kind of a first step or being more androgynous is kind of a first step in that direction if you wanted to try something. Um, but again, like, you know, I tried it and I don't. And most of the time I play, like, 99% of the time I play she, her characters in video games too. It's just what I enjoy. And that's a big part of it. And as long as it sounds like you're really trying and making sure, like, as you're GMing, as we've mentioned, like, that's where, like, you, that inclusion is absolutely necessary. And, there's no excuse if you're a GM for not having that diverse, inclusive, like varied world. Um, as a player, play what you have fun with. Yep. As long as you're doing it respectfully, and if you're a straight white guy and you're playing straight white guys, good on you. You can do it, yeah. whatever, however you yeah. like, honestly. With the caveat that I want to add, that if you are doing a show for an audience, like a yes. podcast or a stream, straight white guys playing people of color and queer characters and such like that is not a substitute for real representation at the, on the camera. Yeah. Right. Like, so if you are doing a stream for an audience, I do think there's an obligation to have diversity on your stream. Like, I yes. think that's just part of it. Like, I think this channel like, really works really hard to make that a reality what of a it. What a good idea. And I think a lot of other shows, like I think have had a lot of missteps in the past of being like, well, we're, you know, we're a group of white guys, so we're just going to start playing characters that are also, like, a Latinx character or whatever. Like, that's yeah. not representation. We're going to be diverse with our characters. And you're yeah. like, mm, no. I think a lot of them learn that lesson the hard way. That, that, that doesn't qualify you for it. Yeah. And I think that's, like, a good thing to move past. Yeah. And then I had one more thought, which is, oh, this comes with a huge caveat of I'm not saying to do this as metaphoric for any real world race or culture or thing like that like that's not what i'm going at with this but i think that a lot of fantasy settings actively have built in the idea of of different character origins that are not human and or are not you know a typical racial component like if you're looking for a way through role play to understand if if, if your goal is not 
to try to I'm 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 very I'm walking a very thin line here. <laughs> so I don't want to I don't want to accidentally say the wrong thing and be horrifically offensive. It's just very easily offensive. What I'm saying is if your goal is to kind of broaden your own personal understanding of empathy, then I think if you're playing a character outside of like a typical realistic culture, think about that a lot when you're building a character. Think about a lot of like what is this like this character's background like what is this society that they're from like and think about how your character then is different than like the mainstream culture in the games that you're playing and think about that through your role play and that might actually be more suited for you to understand and learn your empathy than trying to just do an amalgamation of a real world yeah. marginalized group that, yeah that and actually I hope that i got through that okay i think you, i think okay. you did um, I'll sorry. take my loves if I didn't. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna say, and um, it might be great to start off with playing if your if your kids play. It sounds like they are kind of on the right track with what, so maybe play a game with your son or your daughter, and they seem to like they're kind of tuned into those things. That could be a great learning experience for you, a kind of a safe place to try something like that mm. um, with a little bit of guidance from them. Uh, that might be a cool family thing to do. I like that. Um, yeah. Couple couple things I wanted to add to that. Um, one, uh, I would. And maybe you're doing this already. You, you you didn't mention it. One of the things that um was taught to me uh by a very patient trans friend <laughs> was the habit of when when I had misgendered them, they encouraged me like and they corrected me. They encouraged me to just say thank you instead of I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, yes. blah 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 blah. Yeah. Because then that puts it on the marginalized person to say it's okay. Yeah. Don't you know? But but just thanking them one for caring enough to correct you right mm -hmm. it's a, that's a mark of caring, um, and two to not burden them with the next level of your you know it just thank them and do better that's that's the goal. But um, another really good experience I had um, was uh, I for a long time really loved playing half orc characters, and that was before I really understood a lot of the like racist underpinnings of where a, a lot of that lore came from. And once I understood that a little bit better, I realized that, like what I really like about these characters is that they're big and tough and they look a little different and they've got tusks. I, I just liked the aesthetic of that. Yeah. Um, and in speaking with some people when I was starting to play a D&D campaign here on our show, um, where I played a half-orc uh, woman paladin, uh, the, the note was made like, it's okay to do this, but it's not about, you, you have to, I have to steer clear of making it, um, a, oppression tourism, mm -hmm. uh, in, yeah. in that for me, my character, and, and I hadn't really done this as like, oh, well, I'm going to do it because of this, but my character came from, uh, was a wealthy artist, right? So I wasn't playing into the tropes of what people assume. Yeah. Um, and so what Riley's saying about having, uh, you know, like a, a fantasy experience to kind of dip a toe in the water can be, maybe feel a little bit safer. Although half orcs are legit. Like there's a very racist yeah. background and that's <laughs> not. To, and again, like, in general, Picking a fancy race, being like, oh, this kind of reminds me of this real world culture that I want to role play as. That's yeah, that's, that's when it's red flaggy. That's yeah, that's not what we want. Uh, yeah. But and I was also just going to add one other thing that nobody else has to do. But like everyone has said, you know, experimenting with different characters. I almost always play characters with she/her pronouns. Yeah. Almost always. And for a long time, I didn't really understand why. 
eventually it became because I wasn't totally in touch with my pansexuality and like that was something I needed to discover about myself because they were also I mean I sort of got teased for playing a lot of lesbian characters but most of my characters are straight women or bi or whatever uh and it was one of the three cool or or pan they were they had a sexuality um the but the point is for me it it gave me an opportunity to think about things in a way that's not like well what you know how how can i portray a stereotypical woman you know, it was, how can I... Talk about shopping? <laughs> yeah. Just be shopping all the time? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, tampons. Lots of tampons. Yeah. Not always. That's... Not always. Yeah, hey. that's true. Yep. But stereotypically, uh, yes. The, um, but it, it for me, I, I, I want to make sure I make space at the table for anyone who is having that type of explorative experience. Yeah. Oh, totally. While also encouraging the, like, okay, now, look, we're not leaning into stereotypes or cultural stereotypes or, you know, the the oppression Olympics, you know, like, that's not my story to tell. Yeah. But if the character looks or is a certain way without just diving into a a stereotype, positive or negative, Mm -hmm. right? Positive stereotypes can be, like, quote-unquote positive, Mm -hmm. um, are just as harmful. So, yeah. yeah. I, I totally... Oh, sorry. That's okay. Uh, there's a, a big section I wrote when I was writing Starscape specifically about this. Because um, what ends up happening a lot of times, it's um, like oppression tourism, mm. where people who are not oppressed uh, put on a character who is oppressed in ways that they are not. And it's... There are ways where you can go about it, like Riley was saying, where you have to... Where you're careful about it, and especially since you're at a home game, it's a di- it's it, there's a it's a little bit different than something that people are going to be viewing and watching, and you know, hopefully re- seeing themselves represented in. Um, you know, you still definitely should be respectful. It's not like we can do anything; no one's watching. But uh, you do have to be careful because a lot of these things for sci-fi specifically, which is why I wrote about because Starscape is a sci-fi setting. Um, it's like it is allegory for actual specific races or, you know, religions of people and things like that. So as you're picking something, if you're going to, which you don't have to, again, you don't have to do this. Um, like think about that and go at it from a lens of I, I love that you use the word empathy. That was such yes. a great way. Uh, like like learning from it, <laughs> um, exploring pieces of yourself, like Jason said, like, am I interested in doing this? Because this is something that's part of me, like adding the parts of you to that character that are there is like the easiest way. Cause no matter what like gender your character is or, you know, mythological fantasy race, there's still going to be elements of it that are you. Yeah. So figure out, okay, what pieces of me would work with this character and put them in there. And that's the way to make it the truest. Um, and don't, don't use it as a, well, I'm going to see what it's like to have people treat me, you know, well, with yeah, racism. Or- it's like, no, that's not, that's not your thing to explore <laughs> yeah. or or to play out as like the victim for the three hours you play once a week. Right. It's yeah. like, that's eh, that's not doing it respectfully. But and also putting a lot on the other people players at the table to have to play through that too, because it might be something that they don't want to have and that's why we have X cards and yeah. things like that. Yeah. 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 I think also So many also's. So yeah. many. <laughs> I will something you had said I love oh about room to explore something i think that's very that that's more for me about when you're talking about gender or sexuality issues than i would say racial issues because obviously like 
you can't and shouldn't explore being another race. Uh, no, but you no can, that's a good point. But yeah. you can and exp- should be willing to explore sexuality or gender if it's something that you are... I mean, like, this is not the original OP's question. Yes. But this is my experience with gaming, is that before I transitioned, I loved playing female characters and femme characters and queer characters in games because that gave me a safe space. I wrote a whole article about it for Nerdist, about, yeah. like, how I found myself through gaming. I, I played... Awesome. And I played characters who went through very traumatic things, and I played characters who went through very idyllic lives as the gender or sexuality that I wanted to have... You know, I try. I played a vampire who was like an '80s glam rocker that was like that gave me excuse to wear women's jeans and a blazer and with eyeliner to a LARP. You know, yeah. like that kind of stuff. So I think like that's why I definitely don't want to come down the side of like you should never outplay outside of what you are because yeah. maybe you aren't what you think you are, and it might be great to have the bumpers to do it. And then going off of the orc thing and what you were saying about these things being based on real world like stereotypes. The really fun thing to do in a fantasy game is when you know they race is based off a real world stereotype is to then not do that yeah. and do it differently. Yeah. Just and turn it. This is such a like a ridiculous example, but there's I the, my one of my favorite D and D podcasts these days is Dungeons and Daddies. I listened to it since the beginning. I love that show. So good. What? And one thing Anthony did that's so so good. Uh, I should warn you, it's not a BDSM podcast. Oh, um, yeah. That's, yeah. Um, in their <laughs> first season, they had a scene where they they came upon a camp full of orcs. And Anthony, the GM, decided instead of making the orcs be all like, he made them like, oh my god, what is happening? (laughs) Oh my, he made them like total chads. And it was like, so funny because it wasn't it. what anyone was writing and they were all like they was like that was they translated their text and they were just all of these like really just like oh my god like it was, it was so very funny funny and then I I know we can we can move on soon but uh, <laughs> I'm gonna write an email about all this now, um. <laughs> <laughs> I played an orc in a. I played in the Rack Queens RPG that we did, and I played an orc Braga who was trans. Yeah. And that was like a really fun way to play on and do a different thing with orcs. Now, granted, I was a little bit hamstrung anyway because she's a written character in comics that I was playing as. Yeah. But I love we were that given book so much. It's so good. And our, our RPG was fantastic. It was really I'm going to have to check that Thank out. You. Um, Thank you. I. It meant a lot to me to play Braga as a, I purposely like didn't give her a gruff like like voice. I, I never heard what Braga sounded like before because it's only in comics. Yeah. I kind of gave her more of a Klingon, like a very yeah. very like, and it became, became rally after a while. But <laughs> but like that's a looking at that instead of being like okay, orcs are a metaphor for a certain type of like people of color, or whatever. I looked at it as like oh, this is a trans character, and like she comes from an extremely hyper masculine background, and so it's like. It's like it was just taking real world dysphoria that I had and like heightening it and being like, here's this person who was shaped by this culture she came from and like it shaped her, but she's still who she is and she still found a way to make herself who she is. That was a good entry point into that character. Mm -hmm. And I was able to play an orc without any like racial ties to it, which was really good. I think these kinds of self-explorations are when tabletop RPGs become so special yeah, Mm -hmm. and really set themselves apart from all the other fun things we like to do. And tabletop RPGs sometimes are just dumb fun, but for me, most of the time, that storytelling, that, that like, thinking about who these characters are is so rich and just fundamental of, of a process that, yeah. I, it feels real. That's yeah. why so many times we end up, like, dreaming in character or dreaming mm-hmm. of our characters and things like that. Because, like, in some level on our brain, like, they're real. 
Yeah. They are in, and because they have, like you were just describing, like parts of us in them. Yeah. No matter how different in character you end up trying to play. Yeah. Like there's always something in there that that's you. Yeah. Like Daphne, I did not intend <laughs> to be like me at all. We had one session where right. suddenly Daphne became me because it was just me. Yo, yeah. If you are watching Hexbreakers, you absolutely <laughs> must get caught up. There's a little lull this week, so you have a chance. I'm not in the show. Both of these people are. <laughs> I am the, like the biggest super fan of the Wednesday show here. That's right. It's so good. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it doesn't even have to like we keep we're talking about these like core truths of ourselves that we find in games. It doesn't have to be that. No. Like you're trying to play a she her character for the first time. Cool. Maybe she's a woodworker because you are. Yeah. Like yeah. there's been many times where, you know, I've played like bard characters and I am kind of a bard and things like that. Like it can mm-hmm. be something yeah, totally. silly, like a hobby that you have that the character has in common with you. And just those little things that you are incredibly familiar with in real life can really ring as touchstones and make it a lot easier for you to make these characters a real person rather than what you're worried about making them a caricature. Yeah. Or, or like playing a, a, you know, like rebellious teenage boy superhero <laughs> character. Cause like I was such a bad boy rebel in high school that I really I wanted to bring that to a. Did character. you want to say that as bad boy rebel? Yeah, like I did. That's where the comma goes. Yeah, it was, it was very cute. You tried bad comma boy. You're like high I'm high a high. bad boy. The bad boy of high high. Are you feeling good about yourself today? Can I help you in any way? As I'm a bad boy. I was, I was cool <laughs> I was rebelling cool against rider. machismo. Yeah. Better grease, in my opinion. Sorry, I said it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. That was. You heard, you heard here, Priest. Oh, two? yeah. We have other letters. Yes, Priest we do. That was great, Ken. Thank you for being brave enough to write that email. I know it sounds. You put a lot of thought into it. It's very evident. Thank you for being so thoughtful about how you worded it. But I think it was a good question, and I am very glad that you decided to write it in. And number two. I'll go for it. Okay. okay. All right. I, I talked a lot last time, so I feel like this is my penance. <laughs> Small little one. Ahoy, Kimmy and crew. <laughs> Wanted to write about a couple of things. One, congratulations on being able to keep this podcast going and viable to the community. After 12 years of existing, the last of which was a year of burnout, as of August 2022, the 1D4 podcast has finally released its final episode. Oh. The burnout kept my procrastination alive, but I finally decided to end it rather than just fade away. It's bittersweet, but all of us have other things to focus on. It's nice to have closure, and we'll see if I do any other projects in the future. I bet you do. The convention that spawned from the podcast, (laughs) 1D4Con, is still alive and well. I'm still getting my ducks in a row. So you're literally already in a project. Yeah. Save on the more projects, but I'm still doing a project now. The next sentence. Immediate project. I promise I did not write this email. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still getting my ducks in a row, but it will return in spring of 2023, still as an online con due to many reasons. Maybe 2024 will be the year we come back into meat space. (laughs) M-E-A-T space. We will see. Hmm. Two, I've run many. I've run many of one shots, but I can never get the paving the paving right on the first time I run a game. I don't have a lot of time. I think they meant pacing. pacing. It's okay. Pacing. I, I kind of like the idea of paving, <laughs> yeah. though. Like you're paving trying to put this road out. Trying to, to build like... this road, and it's all cobblestone. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm going to stick with paving. <laughs> I get a drought. I get a drought friendly RPG. Yeah. I don't have a lot of time due to family and work constraints to always be able to run a play test if my scenario to make. 
a playtest, I think they mean playtest of my scenario, to make sure I can fit it into one four-hour session. I try to keep the plot simple and allow players freedom of choice within the game world, but I always find my game running over the first playthrough. What tactics do you use in a convention game or other time-constrained games to keep the pace? Take a long drink for us retired podcasters. Mm. Cheers. Yeah. Opa! Thank you. That was for me. That was not from the, the email. <laughs> Thank you for keeping this going. James from the Panhandle 1D4Con underscore James on the Discord. Ooh. Awesome. So um, I never pretest any of my one shots for cons. Neither. Because... Can I say something about this? Yes. <laughs> um, I also don't pretest, but I've, I have a method and it works pretty well. Okay. Uh, because I like to give the characters choice. Yes. But. In a four-hour slot, they can't have all the choices in the world. Yes. It just doesn't work. So I usually will pre-decide two or three options that the NPCs are going to give them, which mostly equate to, not literally the same outcome, but like, do you want to fight um, dragon turtles or turtle dragons? <laughs> <laughs> and, or sharks. Yeah. When, you know. And, and so they, they could kind of pick, you know, did the characters make a bunch of, are, are they a bunch of fighty characters? Are they more investigation? You know, they could kind of pick the mystery that was more towards what they ended up making. Mm -hmm. But within that context, um, the best thing I've come to do is uh, you have three main touch points. And that is your opening character creation, have a chance to meet the characters. Maybe a surprise encounter of something very quick so that everyone can roll some dice. Um, or a quick investigation, if that's kind of where everything is. Like, oh, the lights all went out, and now we have to find the turtle dove shark turtle things. Um, and also have, like, <laughs> lasers on the forehead so they light the room up. Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, then uh, a, a second step, which is usually a fair bit more investigation, tracking, hunting, um, discovery... Uh, with, with something along those lines, and then a, a final confrontation of some kind, which I like to leave room open for that being a talk your way out of it as well, that doesn't end up turning 40 minutes into five minutes. It's often there's a way where you can have some, some talking options while the cavern is coming down or the lasers on the heads are recharging and you know there's still tension and and you're building to something in the story even though your bard wants a chance to you know talk this person down mm -hmm. um also i would say in this context don't be afraid to say no to certain roles like yeah i first of all i think the bard should not be allowed to seduce the dragon anyway <laughs> um and you want to say that? You, you just keep say, your morals off my body. That's fine. <laughs> hey, that's your game. In my game, you know what's funny? I don't. This is like a side point of mine. I always hear the jokes about horny bards, and aside from the one character I can think of that was designed as a parody of horny bards, I've never met someone playing a bard that's actually that horny and unstoppable. Mm. That's because Joey's playing like a meathead character in our game. <laughs> <laughs> it's normally Joey. Yeah, no, it's usually it's Joey. Okay, like... fair. He's, he's usually like the sexy Oops, face. Oh, As someone who plays bards a lot, yeah. I feel like constantly like, this is yeah. not... No, put your pants back on and tell me... Oh, sorry. Yeah. You have to fight Joey because he's the reason there's that stereotype. <laughs> it's just... It's it's okay to have some... uh, Not rails, but... 
have some guides. Guidelines. You know, on it's there. okay to have rails. I'm gonna say that. Yeah. It's okay to have rails. Rails yeah. are not defunct. Like default no. evil. No. I've seen some really great games played that have rails on yeah. them. Sorry. Yeah. No, no. I, I, wanna, I basically sorry. agree with I you. I want to let you finish I, your thought. I just that's the thing that is constantly in my head. <laughs> no. I'm, I, I'm I agree with you. Um, especially in a one shot, um, yeah. you you have to have some guidance on there because there's a limited amount of time, and if you don't finish, that's unfun. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like if you that's run out fun. of time and everyone has to go, like, oh man. Or if you run way over, so everyone like misses lunch, right? Or, or they're yeah, late sorry. for like, their next wow, game. Well, the next a... game's waiting to join your game. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And like that's I'm a fucking table. bummer. That's more of a bummer. Then I guess we didn't have that many options, but we had a good time and we kicked that dragon in the nuts. Yeah, like, I guarantee the players aren't thinking. We didn't have that many options, and the players. Right. I mean, usually when you've given the players three or four options, they're going to do something silly otherwise anyway. Yeah. They're not going to do exactly the two options you gave them. Right. Yeah. I don't plan anything anymore. I stopped planning convention games. I I go in. I usually run systems that have some sort of like world or character creation piece to it and from that is where i pull my story yeah mm-hmm. um and then like it's sort of like i don't use rails i like you know when you go bowling as a little kid and they have the bumpers mm-hmm. and the ball bounces around between the like <clears throat> things this is the type of game i run at conventions so it's like these are the parameters they're yeah. they're, they're gonna stay in this sector of space the adhdm yeah exactly <laughs> yeah oh my god that's gotta be something right that's gotta be something uh, if you're just listening, I did, in fact, high-five myself, so somebody yeah. liked it. Somebody yeah, high-five. Very good. <laughs> I make all my students high-five themselves now. High-five. Like, when we, when, they have a, when we have a good moment in class, we're like, okay, everyone self-high-five, and everyone goes like that. And it's every time, it's because of you. Oh. I taught my best friend's kid to fist bump. Yeah, she totally, she loves doing that. It's, like, her favorite <laughs> thing. Um, but, uh, but sorry, I missed, I, I got distracted by the ADHD joke, sorry. Um, but uh, I, I do something similar where it's, like, a, a, a launching point usually um I, I like games that have those t- those things so as they're coming up with those characters i usually do a, a shortened version of character creation for a con but like i know okay a bad a, a bad evil person is going to be doing this to start and then i'm going to pull that bad evil person from somebody's backstory and then it's like immediately relevant to them because it's sort of like a pick your own adventure book like i know like roughly about what might happen yeah. and then There'll be times where something amazing happens and you completely take a left-hand turn and I, then I follow wherever that story goes, mm. um, which happens a lot. Uh, and you just have to kind of keep... I, I think it's something like I, I could not have done when I started GMing at cons. I had very clear plans. I did the very like modular design, which we've talked about a lot and was very similar to what Jason just described. Um, but I'm good enough at it now where... And I've done so many con games... Where as I'm going, it's like, okay, I pull in the, the basic things. I have the basic start of the story that I kind of planned ahead. And then, all right, I'm just going to follow where these people go. And, oh, okay, we're going to need an exciting thing here. Somebody attacks or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. And then, oh, it's that person from your backstory. And they've teamed up with the other person who was at the beginning. And then you can kind of, like, wrap up, especially if you know the system you're running really well. You, like, know about how long a combat will take if you've planned it well enough. And you're like, okay, here he goes. Yeah. Um, so in my mind, uh, that's exactly what I was trying to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, it, wasn't, it wasn't what you said. <laughs> no, no, I believe you. I, but that's very similar. That's like okay. what I was trying to get at. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one other thing I was going to say is put a timer in front of yourself. <laughs> yes. yes. Be, be aware of what time, time on the clock it is. Because you, you, 
you're going to be way easier at, like, let's say you have a four hour window based on, like, that was the number they gave here at some point, but maybe I'm wrong. Four hour session, yeah. So let's say you're going to know a lot more at two hours if you think you're going to run long than if you wait until, like, three and a half hours and Ugh. go, oh no, I got to wrap this up. Like, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> like, I typically, I find that one for one shots. This, like, this is obviously not a one size fits all thing, but typically for a one shot, I find having two encounters kind of in my mind at some, like, it's usually a good amount of encounters to have. I like to have a third or fourth one in the wings. If we start going way short, I need to throw something else at them, like a random fight scene or something, if it's yeah. going to be that kind of game or something along those lines. Or like you said, like a series of skill checks to get through like a collapsing building or something along those lines. Or I will give, I'll force the players to role play in ways that are fun and different. Like I'll be like, okay, you're, you're in this room. What are you, what are you looking at? What are you doing here? Like, what, mm -hmm. what are you buying in this shop? What are you looking for in this library? Like things like that. And yeah, I I'm a bad planning GM. I'm a very good letting you improv, and then based on your improv, I've written an amazing story mm. kind of GM. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. To the, yeah. yeah. I mean, the story should be about the characters, no matter what. Yeah. And so the ideal structure of letting them build some characters, listen evilly, <laughs> and important, and uh, you know, make some notes, have some idea of what these characters want to accomplish and then that's almost your whole first beat yeah. and then that second beat is following up maybe shopping slash beach episode uh and then that third beat is the the conclusion of the whole thing which should start at hour three yeah of a, yeah. a four hour thing yeah. yeah generally uh what i used to do to prep i i've always been a very low prep gm um but what I used to do, and I've described this on the podcast before, but um, I would take post-its because I run everything with post-its. But you can do three-by-five cards also. Better living through office supplies. Um, and basically, it's like the beginning where my story starts. Like three important um, like places they have to go or things that can happen. Um, I generally don't even specify where it happens because that way that's completely flexible. They have to. You know, one thing, two things, three things, and then the end. Yeah. Um, and the great thing about that is, like, the beginning's there, the end is there. Sometimes I have, like, two optional endings, like, whatever <gasps> you want. I know. And a lot of times I won't even use my one. agency. I know. Um, but that way it also lets you very quickly as you're going, um, if, especially if you're using, like, a GM screen, like, oh, we're running short on time. I'm pulling post-it number three. They're just going to straight jump straight from scene two to scene four, and there we go. So I think that that's a great way of just kind of keeping it in your mind too, keeping it organized. Um, again, like ADH, what did you say? ADHDM. ADHDM. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, um, and actually, yeah. I I just recently got my ADHD like official diagnosis. Oh yeah. And welcome to the club. The, thank you. The I don't know if you realize, but the what you just described—the post-it note versus the stack of three by five cards—is an ADHD adaptation. Yeah, because you have to see them all. Yeah. 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 Um, and so, and folks, a lot of people have this like attentional, maybe it's not ADHD, but like being able to see all of the beats at once versus hiding them in a stack of cards. If it doesn't feel like hiding, this is not your issue. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But if you put a stack of cards down and you're like, wait, what does card three say? Mm -hmm. Welcome to being me. Yeah. And I just wrote it five minutes ago. Yeah. Um, I don't even say what does it say. I have I don't have object permanence, so I forget the card even exists. Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Like you make that stack of cards and then the whole game goes by, you're like, Oh, I made these. Yeah. 
Yeah. When um, I yeah, when I said the three by five cards, I meant like laying them out literally in order, oh, like well, a, okay. like a storyboard in front of you, except without drawings because I cannot draw. But um, that way you've got like your story beats, and you can literally like move them because I'm very visual. Um, I like if I write story beats down, I, I I usually can do that because I wrote them, so I can remember them. But if someone hands me a sheet with them like that, mm -hmm. it's like no, I need them in like a form, and then you can like literally move them around. So if they get there and you're like, oh, we're gonna run out of time for this, you slide it out, and then oh no. They solved that really fast. We need more time. Pull that one in. Mm. Always have a, you know, a, you know, in case of emergency, break glass. Bonus encounter. Yeah, a bonus encounter or way to skip to the end. Yeah. So it's like, uh, oh, the, the, the evildoers tired of waiting and they yeah. are coming after you. And it's like, oh, here's the big fight now. They brought yeah. it to you because we've got, oh, 45 minutes left of this four hour game session. You know, whatever it is. And so have that little like, like the trick to pull out of your sleeve in case like they're nowhere near where they're supposed to be, and you can just then get them that great, satisfying end encounter. Um, again, yeah. <laughs> if you do want to give them a bunch of options, all you have to do is is limit the amount of time, amount of like options that can be pulled from. Yes. So like, if if there's twenty things they can pull, first of all, if you're doing twenty things, you have not set yourself up for a good one shot. <laughs> but let's say if there's like ten options in a space, and they like pick three, like well. The other things all happened in that time as well, but these are the three you chose to do and then right. move forward from there. By the way, what you're describing as far as lining up note cards to to have like your beats, mm -hmm. that's breaking story. Like if you most screenwriters, like a lot of screenwriters anyway, most screenwriting books will talk about like a board. Yeah. Where you put a board on the wall and it has your act structures broken down by cards. And like this is this is where the you know, the rising action happens, or this is where, you know, we're getting towards the, like, conclusion. I, I do not want to close the Blake Snyder feed sheet right now, so I'm, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm boarding it. But, like, yeah, this is, like, when you know, like, this is, like, when your cold open is, this is where your act one should be wrapping up. And, like, it's a way to visual, because film is a visual medium, yes. so even though you're writing it out, you are oh, I've been presenting doing it as a film broken story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not the radio one. Dang it. Yeah, it's oh. the TV one. Yeah. Okay. Well, the movie screen one. Notice. Yeah, so there's lots of different ways um play with it. And yeah, I, I mean, I think the, the, the biggest thing is like, have it planned out in a way where you can pull things or add things very easily. Have a very malleable, adaptable story um, where you can have random encounters that aren't necessarily tied to the story. Like, oh, you stumbled into the Snarlax nest as you were walking and... I was trying yeah. not to use like an actual thing. I was like, Pokemon. Yeah. yeah, I'm just going to put everything together. Um, you know, and uh, now you have to like protect the, you know, whatever you're doing. I do like that you set this up as I don't do a lot of prep for my games anyway. I make a series of stacks of notes. And... <laughs> That's what I used to do. Yeah. I, okay. When I first started GMing and I first, like, my very first GMing was ever was at a con mm. and it was a one shot and it was like, Go, yeah. jump in the deep end, have fun with these strangers. Yeah. And uh, it went well, thank goodness. And so that's the kind of prep I used to do. And now I just don't do that. <laughs> I do think that a lot of that is muscle memory, too, or lack of a better phrase, when you're running stuff. Because, like, it's same as, like, when you're playing a video game and you're learning how to play a game for the first time, you're very aware of the buttons you're pushing. You're like, I'm pressing the A button, I'm pressing the jump button, I'm doing this. But after you've played the game for like a few weeks, you're not even thinking about it anymore. You're yeah. playing like the game. you couldn't explain to somebody how to play. No. Because you, yeah. So I think you're still, you probably are still making those cards, but you're doing it in your head now. As yeah. you Same with me with stand-up. When I first started stand-up, I would have a long list of my material, like bit by bit. And then after a while, I stopped like, and then I started writing it down like, you know, this chunk here and the chunk here. And then I stopped writing it down at all. And then I just stopped doing stand-up. Mm -hmm. So it really, like, 
came full circle where I just don't do it at all anymore. But I think that like that is kind of how my prep went. Like I used to have a lot of visual aids and notes, but yeah. eventually my, my brain was able to do it without the visual aid and notes. So yeah. Uh, it's okay to worry yourself up. Yeah. One thing that reminded me, and Jason kind of touched on it for just a second, but I want to like circle back because it's important. It's really great if you're running a one shot um, and you're running a system that the people at the table are not used to. If you're running a system like PBTA and like everybody plays PBTA, they just haven't played this specific PBTA, like it's probably fine to skip it. But when I used to run Wild Talents, which is a very little known system that very few people have played. Uh, I Ooh. always, I love it, but um, I always made sure that I started off with like a combat or something where they learned the mechanics of the system very quickly. Um, so then it made the rest of the, the time go much smooth, more smoothly. Like it's like a tutorial? Yeah, kind of like a tutorial. Like yeah, I'm teaching yeah. them. Press Weird. X to yeah. jump. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Roll this dice to murder. Yeah, because so, people learn so much better by doing. So it's yes. like, if you have that quick encounter that's kind of low stakes and doesn't really matter, and everybody rolls some dice and sees how the basic mechanics work, and then you move on to, like, the, that's kind of just, like, the, the little teaser, the thing that draws them in, the hook for the story, then the rest of your game's going to go a lot more smoothly, because it's not going to be 30 minutes in when they have these developed characters. All right, wait, how do we fight again? How do we do this now? Mm, like, yeah. they've learned that, and it's, like you said, with the video game, like, they they they're past the the stage where like wait where's X okay uh, I have to hold X and this together uh, I'm, I'm a PC gamer so I don't know but um yeah so that's a that's a pro tip too that will also help with your time management because you will have to spend less time managing their understanding of the system later. Um, is it okay if I add one more thing or do we need to move on? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Um, one thing I was gonna add and I think I've mentioned this on the show before but at some point. In my teen life, running Shadowrun First Edition. Ooh, um, that was a that was a choice. I I I mean that was the game I wanted to play. I didn't know about D and D until college. Well, I knew about it, but like I never played it until anyway. I realized at some point where I was like statting up guards and bad guys, not like important characters, but okay. Well, this guard is good with submachine guns, so he's got four dice and that and two other. And then this guy, this is the rocket launcher guy, and he's got. Three dice in that and five dice, and they're like, oh, they're both rolling eight dice. <laughs> right? And at some point, I was like, oh, these guys are all just piles of dice. Right? <laughs> like, I don't need to stat out a dozen guards. I just need, like, the, oh, we yeah. the weapon damage points and uh, eight or nine dice. The day you as a GM learn you don't actually have to stat out your monsters that much is, like, the most freeing yeah. day in and, your GM world. Yeah. And, and I would say, if you want to leave the story open enough that you can customize it to the characters they're making, let your your big bad guy or even some of the goons, like, let them morph into what the characters think they're going to be. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter how many... Like, roll an appropriate amount of dice. Make a good challenge. Maybe even leave death on the line um, <laughs> if that's the kind of game you're running. Mm -hmm. But... But only if a Sicilian is involved. Thank you, yes. yes. Uh, but you can do that without needing to know, oh, well, they've got one of this and two of those. Like, you you can give a good challenge. The point, your job is to give a good challenge mm -hmm. and, and give the, the characters something to push against, either a mystery or a monster or whatever that is. Yeah. And But if if you see into the Matrix... They're, they're just piles of dice, <laughs> and you can make those fun and interesting and tailor it. You can color it in however you want mm -hmm. if you understand that 
that it's just a pile of dice. From and dice we came and the dice we <laughs> shot. That's what they'll say at my start. I've thought yeah. that every time you said pile of dice, and yeah. I was like, I gotta get it out at least Love once. it. Yeah. I, I think it. that's a really important point is like realizing you don't have to stick to the stats. One, it saves you the prep, but also like it gives you the freedom to recognize those amazing moments in a game. Mm. Um, and we I, we had one at the con where uh, we, we did strategic con two weekends ago, five weekends ago, a hundred years ago. I don't know. I, it was I like, think it was two weekends ago because we did we had done our last text breakers before yeah. that weekend. Yeah, it's been eighty three years. Yes, and we played pirates last Saturday. Yes, so it was two Saturdays ago. Okay, so two Saturdays ago from right now when we're recording this, not from when you're listening to it. Probably maybe I don't know. Anyway, that's not confusing. Um, when there when was, was this, then? Yeah. Just now. When was now? Right now. Right now. When there? Then then. Yes. <laughs> That's not the way it goes, but you know what I'm talking Yeah. So we had this moment in the game where it was kind of near the end, and there's like a big space combat thing happening, and one of the players, Elsbeth, like pulls this amazing move, and if I had really wanted to be like, well, not all the hitboxes have been knocked off, like, yeah, I could have. But it was this amazing thing that, like, like was a huge thing that, like, rang out throughout, like, the full, through the full sector of of the yeah. galaxy, and like, was and just everybody a, was super into it. Yeah, yeah. And it was just a cool story beat where she was playing, um, like the the unfamiliar, which is basically kind of like the data or the seven of nine character, and she'd like become in tune with like this music thing and like sent out like this peaceful music throughout like oh, the whole it so cool yeah it was like such an amazing moment and it was just like boom perfect and we were getting to the, close to the end anyway it's like just recognize those amazing cinematic moments and just end it like okay they they feel this they they change and you feel a change in the entire civilization or in you know where you are and like describe it and make it a big deal don't be like well I'm glad you do that. Everyone feels better, but there's still three hitboxes on this battleship. What are you gonna do? Oh. Like it's. Like, I, I've uh, been the yeah. player in that scenario. And I get sucked. I had a character that was like my character's like target in a oh. dungeon, and I got a big attack on her. She had two hit points left, and the GM waited till the next character shot her to have her die instead of me having my big awesome attack on it. And like oh. it was two really? hit points, and like I was like, come on, and like I I know some people are huge sicklers for the stats of the stats and if that's how you want to play 100% I understand that is your way of playing Yeah. but as far as especially if you're talking about one shots at a con yeah. you want people to leave that game going oh my god I had to add a game not oh yeah. my god if only I rolled two more dice like, right. or, or rolled two more points higher on my dice Yeah. I also don't typically because like I run with my Doctor Who game we're doing it for a podcast we usually have to be wrapped up in about an hour hour and a half at the most we don't Ooh, have time to do a ton because we're doing a podcast yeah. so yeah. You know, we edit a little bit so we maybe get two hours huh. but what is this edit to? Um, <laughs> I don't know and we're going to have to find somebody to do it soon so okay. um, but like I don't always have a solution as it as it to the, what's what's going on. I often don't have a solution. I act because I feel like a lot of times when you have an exact solution to the problem, then as a GM you get caught up and like okay, well, they're not doing the uh, things that that yeah. trigger the solution. Yeah. If you just go, here's the problem. Here's what's causing it. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. And then you can kind of go, okay, that thing you said sounds like a great solution to me. And that yours is a good example of her doing this cool musical thing. Never crossed my mind. Like, yeah. it would never have been something in my wildest dreams I would have imagined. And she just pulled out this amazing thing, and it was just like. Grab onto that. It made everybody feel like the crew had succeeded because she was on their crew. It was just like, yeah, cool moments. Like, like, like recognize that. Use the the flexibility with the stats and the die that that Jason was to was describing to like recognize those moments too. So anyway, love it. Cool. And again, that can be your big 
in emergency break glass when we have 10 minutes left yeah. in the session moment. Uh, yeah. Should I should I read letter three? Yes, please do. <clears throat> Greetings, Kimmy and Team Dio. Hope you're all having a great episode thus far. I think this topic's been mentioned a few times in the past, but I thought I'd raise it again as you folks are wanting emails. That's true. Please send more emails. Yes. I'm not sure whether this is a boon or disappointment, but I've actually kept this to under one page. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say boon. Yes. Boon! <laughs> Recently, I traveled the couple of thousand miles from Cairns to Sydney. I apologize for my pronunciation of that place. It's Sydney. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. For a family birthday and spent a week catching up with friends. Having played in Kimmy's Starscape session at JackerCon the week before, I was enthusing about it to a good mate and former gamer, lapsed due to adult life commitments, I don't know uh, her, um, who was keen and reckoned he could get some folks interested if I wanted to run Starscape online. After I got back to Karen's, I we started messaging about the practicalities and shortly came to a few hurdles. My friend had already mentioned that they'd need some something flexible that could accommodate players coming and going. They'd been doing video games on Sunday nights, and attendance had been spotty for that. In the chat, he said that they normally start at 9 p.m. after kids have been put to bed. Oh, my Lord. Uh, making sessions of even three hours tough, uh, yes, yeah. and he wasn't sure whether he could get four players together. Fair as my sense of Starscape is that it sings with a consistent group of players building their relationships over sessions and needs everyone on board for session zero and needs four players at a minimum to allow some variety with assigning connections, I have the feeling it won't be a good fit. So we're trying to work what our options are out. Uh, I've heard good things about Blades in the Dark and I'm liking the reviews I'm reading. My friend has also suggested the excessively rules light Rhysis as an option. System, I imagine, is only part of the issue. What sort of expectations would we have to set and behaviors would we have to implement to ensure a rotating, shorter session game remains entertaining for all involved? Looking forward to your ideas, suggestions. Cheers, Rob, Radio Rob in the Discord, GM Radio Rob on Twitch, and generally. Cheers. I have a thought already, Rob. First of all, uh, I think you can make Starscape work great for this kind of setup, and the reason why is how many great episodes of Star Trek exist where only some of the crew members are being highlighted this particular week. I think that like while you may have your main ensemble of crew that are all in an episode, you get usually have your classic Star Trek setup is this crewman is the spotlight. So usually you have like a Kira episode or you have an Odo episode. Because yeah, I'm going DS9. So yeah. all you have to do if you want to make a Starscape game that incorporates players to come and go from game a lot is to make it on a ship that has a bigger crew. Then you don't make it a scrappy little group of of scavengers or, you know, that kind of thing. Don't make it a Han Solo, Money and Falcon. Make it a starship that has an ongoing mission. And then it just happens to be that this week... These characters who can show up have this away mission, or these people are caught in some strange time loop that the other crewmen aren't in. <laughs> you can even maybe get permission from other players if, if as a GM, to be like, hey, can they be like an NPC in 10 forward this week, but not part of the actual adventure? Mm -hmm. So I do think, for me, I think, yes, systems might be better suited to rotating uh, gamers, 
But I think your setting is going to be way more important here. It's the same thing if you're going to play a fantasy game. I think making it set in a like in like a static town, so people might be there one day, they might be at work another day, or that kind of thing. I mean, that was kind of the fun of we haven't really played it this way. But one of the fun things about kids on brooms is like kids could be in class together or kids might not be in, like this whole story could take place in a class that the other kids aren't in that class today so i think that thinking about it that way making it like that's part of, i think the fun of blades in the dark is blades in the dark is usually set in like one specific enclosed city yeah so mm-hmm. that's that's kind of my feeling on that i think a lot of the i'll, I'll stop after this one but after the, as far as the three hours because i played a lot of dnd games that are three sessions three hours long and it's fine it works fine i think a lot of the stuff we just talked about about one shots can also be applied to running a game in a shorter time frame. It's just a matter of like figuring out like what you want your encounters to be this week, what you want your overall like thing to be, and how to like end on a satisfying note before going into the next session. Especially if you're playing a lot of games that are gonna have more of a one off vibe because of the like an episodic vibe, I should say. If you're gonna have a lot of players rotating in and out. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna well, are you, are you sure you're qualified to speak on this? <laughs> I might be a little. I wanted to. I wanted to play up how great and versatile a system Starscape is. It's very nice that you can do so much but with it. You, if you're going to go in a different direction, can I say something first? So I wasn't going to talk about Starscape. I was going to add on about the um, what you were just saying about episodic. Go so on. go ahead. Okay. Well, okay. Well, I was going to say I think Starscape would work too. Okay. And I'm not just pandering. I would, but I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> um, I said it in spite of. <laughs> All right, you better. I'm not going to pay you this week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody um, gets paid, by the way, just FYI, for those of you who don't okay, know. Wait a second, what? Yeah. <laughs> what? I'm still not going to get We are what? drinking our payment that Riley brought for us. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, yeah, so part one, Riley... That one I think Adam brought. So. Oh, okay. Uh, Riley's a genius. Yeah, thank you. Uh, this is absolutely the right game for it, because... <laughs> and with, with, to me, the caveat of, if you can at least get everyone together for the session zero, yeah. um, or most of them, but at con, we played Starscape and somebody swapped in at the last minute and it was fine. We just like figured out a connection real quick and went with it. Yeah. But if you can get at least most of them together for a zero and get those character connections together, that can be what your little mini episode is about is each time whoever's there, figure out who has a character connection and poke it. Yeah. <laughs> poke it real hard. Yeah. And make that the focus of that episode. It's not It's not a, a TTRPG, but I recommend checking out the Improvised Generation. They have online shows that they posted up, especially some during the pandemic. It's a, It's an improvised show in LA that is, but now online, that is essentially a next-gen era Star Trek show that mm. is all improvised. Not every cast member is there every episode, and so it's, it's fun to see what that cast does with the characters who are there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's actually a really good example. Like, I, I think... I think having like if everyone can't make it for session zero, I think it. I think that's a really important thing. So have the people who are there to do session zero be like, okay, you are the starting cast, and then and this works with any. This is not just me like saying Starscape, but like any any system, whatever system you end up playing in, um, like have them be the main cast, and then have people who weren't there for session zero have them add in yeah. in real time. So, like, that's what we did at the con. We'd done session zero, or, or not session zero, but we'd done, like, the con version of session zero and character generation, which is really fast. And then um, we'd already started playing, and this person was, like, hanging out, and he was, like, watching and obviously very interested. And we had one car- one person had to go because he had a, like, family emergency. So it was like, hey, you want to play? And so I was like, okay. So I'm like, okay, this is what's happening with you. 
here, help me help you make, make a character real quick. Yeah. And then he bopped in and he bopped in as a character who had just shown up. Right. So then it's like, you don't have to worry about, oh, where you were, where were you? Why weren't you here? Like, it was right. like, you're new. You're new. And then that also gives you a cool thing to spin story off of. Yeah. Um, yeah. And especially for a campaign, like. It's it's not everybody meets in a tavern, but it's like, oh, this new person adds, and how does this change the dynamics? Uh, so that's a great way of doing it. Everyone meets in a mess hall. But no, I, yeah. I think one of the reasons, though, why I would still encourage you to try for Starscapes is because it's of the relationship. It's still well-written and charming. I agree. Well, <laughs> yes. But okay. the relationship questions specifically... I didn't write this email. ...are what can make it easier to do those ad hoc episodes later on yeah. because... It it has everyone tied together in a little different way. That that web of connections can feed what happens next. Yeah. And you can really rely on that, lean on that, and and use that as a, a tool to go forward. Whereas like Blades in the Dark is great. I love it because of its flashback mechanics and you don't mm-hmm. have to know everything up front. There's it does a lot of things really well, but it doesn't have these built in relationship mechanics. That's something you would have to bolt on from something like a game like Decima, which is super awesome and fun to play anyway. Oh, what's Decima? But you would really want everyone together for that. So um, the great thing about Starscape is all those trust-based relationship questions are on their character sheets. It's there from the start, and it's built in okay. so that... <laughs> I'm going to... I'm gonna. Yes, thank no, you. No, no, I'm not actually pandering. Okay, I'm, I know. Like, I appreciate that. I think that's good. You're I'm, uncomfortable being complimented, and that's no, okay. I but just, I, I think you're This is overall... trying to be a little bit of a yeah. commercial, yeah. and I don't want okay. it to be that. I want to even give good advice as well. So I do think that the importance of finding a system that has those emotional connections, I think, is important. Starscape does have them, mm-hmm. but there is a lot of PBTs. I think that is a great point, Jason, and I'm not negating your point. I know. I'm appreciating you. Let's say we're talking about Monster Hearts. It's yeah. a similar thing. Like, it's all about relationships. Mass. Like, think of... Yeah, think about, like... We talked about it one time, I think, I think off-camera, but there was... That season of Saved by the Bell, where essentially what happened was two of the cast members, like, they wrapped the season, and then NBC was like, hey, we want about, like, eight more episodes. <laughs> and two of the cast members, like, I'm, I, they couldn't make contracts for it. So we just didn't have, I think it was, like, Kelly and... That's right. And, and, yeah, and, and Jesse. Yeah. And so they brought in Tori for, and just Tori just shows up and is there, and then she's gone again. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of what real life is like with people, especially in high school. So I think if you're playing a game that's set in a horny teenage high school with monsters, <laughs> like, sometimes this cool, awesome, like, badass chick with a leather jacket comes in, and then oh, she's man. like, her contract doesn't come up, and then the, they get back to the episode they're yeah. already filmed, she goes away again. I think, like, a school setting, I think any sort of, like, like, a, like a ship setting or anything, and like you said, with the whole this is the starting crew. Mm-hmm. Like, think of, this is a space example again, but this is like, what popped in my head when you said that. Think of it as like, Battlestar Galactica, like, mm. let, let, yeah. let's say your first episode is about Adama and Starbuck and Apollo, and then you have a Laura Roslin episode, and then, Roslin? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I have Roslin. Yeah. Ro- Laura Roslin episode. Then like, you have, so like, let's say you have that episode, now you have it. so what happens when Bro- Laura, now, now I keep saying Roslin. Yeah. James Brolin, uh, when Roslin comes over to deal with Adama, now you have a whole other episode. Like, there's so much you can do with this. Yeah, I think, I think especially when you have, like, an unsteady uh, player base, like, really lean into what we can learn from television. Um, like, soap operas, kid, you know, teenage WB shows, stuff like that, where um, you do have, like, the spotlight in, on in each, you know, make it episodic, so every session has a beginning, middle, and end in it, which can be hard, especially if you're having that two-hour, or two-to-three-hour time um, since you're starting so late. 
But that's really, that's really important because you can start and finish it and then start a new kind of story. Even if there is a large overarching thing that goes through them all, which there should, if you're planning it well. And that way you can also be like, like we were saying where it's like, okay, who's here this week? Okay. We'll focus on these two characters and that'll work with any system. If you're doing it right, lean into like soap operas or the thing when I'm jumping between like what whenever I GM it turn, it, the party always splits in like a million directions yeah. and I I've gotten really good at like balancing it out because I think of it okay soap opera watch the scene oh something exciting stop there we're yeah. gonna wait and we're gonna cut to this so like plan it like that and like really have it like I, you should definitely have some sort of um communication system for who's gonna be there this week so that you have time to kind of plan ahead and think about it and like, okay, uh, I'm going to have so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. Oh, these two have been flirting. And this one is really interested in, you know, I'm stuck on Monster Hearts now. Like winning the, you know, CIF this week. Sorry, CIF is like the California State mm. Trophy, like big thing that you do in sports. Um, <laughs> Captain of Swim Team. Okay. Anyway, but um, sorry. It's flexing for no reason. Um, but uh, like, like find, knowing who's going to be there ahead of time so you can plan that. Like for an episode like that is going to be really, really important. So having uh, there's a million different ways of doing it. A Google form, because I recommend Google for everything, but um, or a calendar where people do sign up or like a, an invite where you can see and they, you know, tag it in or a, you know, if you really want to be brave, a, you know, group text nightmare fuel for me, but whatever. And like, whatever it is, so you have notice ahead of time and have like, Set norms ahead of time about when you opt in. Like, I need you to opt in 24 hours ahead of time or 48 hours ahead of time or whatever. Yeah. So there's a deadline. So they're not like two hours before. And sometimes like you might be like, Oh, hey, I was able to, I, you know, my thing got canceled. I can, can I, can I jump, jump in? Sure. But they're not going to be the star of that episode because you've kind of already planned for it to be somebody else. I think it's easier to add somebody into a plot you already built than it is to take somebody out of a plot Ooh, if you made that yeah. plot for their character. Yeah. I will say that like, adventure-based games, like quest games, I think that there's a lot of, like, pressure on a DM to, like, justify a character or player absence. Mm -hmm. But I find when I'm playing those games, this, these are games, this is mostly d and I mean, games like D&D where, or like, some PBTA games where it's just like, we're going on a fetch quest. We're, we're going from point A to point B. We're going to try to fight some monsters. It doesn't really matter if someone's not there. Like, you... you you don't really like. I've had so many games, especially during the pandemic, where like people would have it. Like we're all playing over Zoom, and some people just I can't this week or whatever. We wanted to have regular games. We just kind of dropped that character out for that week, and then brought them back in, and we kind yeah. of just played it off like they'd been there the whole time. Mm -hmm. And like as long as they knew they've been given a little bit of update of what happened, it was never that much of a speed bump. People I mean, how, act like it is, but it's not. How yeah. many times have you forgotten that NPC the whole session? Yeah, yeah, and then realized they should have been doing something. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, you know, again, like, not to pander, but like, uh, watch Hexbreakers. Emily is the master uh, of yes, this. For like, sure. we've had like, like that game for all the magic in it is like just cursed with scheduling. So we have, I think you and I have been the only ones at every session. We're the two that care. Yeah. yeah. We, not, we, we're we the dedicated the ones. Yeah. But, I mean, um. Also because you live in front of them. I do. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't stop me from yeah. missing the podcast when That's I fair. don't feel good. But, That's different. Yeah. But she has set up a world where uh, it's like multi-universes and sometimes people are there and sometimes we're a little bit different characters. And it just, it makes perfect sense of the story why, oh, somebody's not there and you don't remember that they exist. Yeah. 
oh, okay. And then they come back and then they get to say what happened and like, oh, did, did they know they existed? So coming up with cool stories and setting reasons for that too can be great and just kind of calm people's minds. But again, like Emily just said, it never really matters that yeah. much. Riley said that. Right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Emily's great at this. Yeah. Riley said, this is the, the why. The yeah. why Emily, Emily was a genius for yes. creating that game that way. And, yeah. and especially when she didn't know that we would have a player who, for reasons, had to drop out of the game yeah. and somebody else would come in. Like, it was such a good, happy accident of being like, oh, great. I've already built this world where yes. people stop existing in the middle of the story. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Unless she was planning on kicking someone out of the game at some point. Oh, maybe. Oh, my gosh. I survived, luckily. Thank God somebody else left so that I can stay in the game. Hey, we still got some games left. Maybe we don't. I know. No. <laughs> Wait, okay. We're, we're we both did, here right we now. We all did play a different character last time. We did. So, yeah. Okay, we're here. We're here. Are they playing Hexpankers without us right, right now? Right now? And there's another universe did where... nobody tell us? Where, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the game moved to Friday nights. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. All right. Yeah. But that, that's... It's one of the hardest things. And especially, like you were saying, as... We all get, you know, more things we're responsible for in life. There's things that pop up. Yeah. And just having a good group that's, like, accepting and, like, ready to buy in anyway, I think is the most important thing. And it sounds like you have that. I do think the thing you said about sort of accountability to the schedule does matter, though. Yeah. Like, I, I have run some sessions as a DM, a GM, where people kind of would wait until the morning of like, Hey, I'm not sure I'm going to make it tonight. And there was a certain point where like, that was a game that I ended yeah. because I was like, I can't be planning all week to run a game and then find out like day of that we're canceling it last minute because then like I did all this prep for nothing. And I'm, now my schedule is like messed up a little bit. Yeah. So I do yeah. think like, I think like having, for example, like a spreadsheet that's like, who's coming this week. And I need X amount of people to have agreed to come by this time yes. or we aren't going to have a game. Yeah. And, like, also, like, maybe even having, like, depending on what your comfort level is for GMing, maybe even having a cap of, like, I there's, there's six slots this week, and more than that, yeah. I might get too heavy to handle. A minimum yeah. and a maximum. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, yeah, I forgot to say it. That's an amazing thing that you really do need to agree on. Like, okay, how many people drop out before we automatically cancel? And it's not the GM being, like, the, the you know, the spoil sport. Yeah. It's like, okay. It's the rule. They, yeah, this is yeah. the rule, you know. And we we have that for Happy Jacks. It's like if one person drops out, we try and play. If two people drop out because we only have four players in a game, usually, okay, we're done. And then we'll, we'll just call it. Um, we might try and do put something together but there's no pressure on yeah. anybody to do it just because real life happens and that's what happens sometimes so make sure you have all those norms in place too that's it's uh, so glad you remember to say that also if it is a big enough group to put a cap on the players that can be one of the best way to get people signing up earlier in the week mm -hmm. is like oh i want to get my spot yeah no i know i can make it i want to go I, and i just wanted to relate a little bit like Having those last-minute cancellations is one thing. Shit happens, whatever. Yeah. But then you find out they knew four days ago and just forgot to mention it. Yeah. Like, man, come on. Like. I've yeah. been that person. But I've also been the other person who's annoyed by that, too. So sure, yeah. It's, yeah. And, and it's not so bad, like, once in a while, but when it's a habit and when there's the person that you're like, are you coming? Because yeah. you keep not coming. I mean, not coming is always bad, but yeah. when you're so not showing up to a game. I mean, we'll just have a bad brain day once in a while, and that's right. totally understandable. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't know yesterday that I wasn't going to play today, but today I just don't yes. have it. Have Absolutely. It. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that should always be respected, too. Yeah. All Kimmy, right. you were making a dirty joke there, right? Yeah. Okay, good. 
Absolutely. I want to make sure I was laughing at the right jokes. Yeah, you were and laughing. Not, not embarrassed. Dirty joke. Yeah, I said not coming's always bad. Oh, but when you don't show up, it's that. I talked over it. It's my fault. Yeah, it's fine. It's all right. I could have done better, but no, that that was on me. Was, <laughs> I just want to make sure I got it. I you I was did. Was so smart that no one else needed to hear. <laughs> You're here so we can hear what you have to say. All right. Uh, thank you I so much. I already called you a genius. Thank yeah. You. That I was a uh, fantastic batch of emails. That was good. Thank you both for being here. I like well. how short they were. <laughs> Very to the point. They were about a page long each, which is perfect. We appreciate emails and whatever length we can get them. But the short ones are really good. <laughs> and Not that the, size matters that much. <laughs> it's like that, there's that, there's that tiny... T- it's how you use it. It's, it's how you phrase bit. it. It's, it's not the length of your emails. It's how you phrase it. It's, the, <laughs> it's really the group of the emails. It's really the most important piece. <laughs> but I do think that there's that Tiny Tunes where they're having the film festival. And I think Plucky wins because it's just like, he's like editing this massive thing. And it just ends up being this like one second of him crying. <laughs> and I'm like, it was short. And he like wins the festival. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it also depends like what the emails have. Yeah. Like some emails, like they're long and you're like, hey, you said that. Great. Thank you for sharing that. And then other emails, they're very short, but there's a lot of things to discuss. And sometimes they're both. Yep. So. All right. Yeah, I'm just being crotchety. It's just fun. It's fun. It's, it's, fun. it's fun to pick on long emails. Oh, yeah. I'm still reading one from a few weeks ago when I was here. So that's why. <laughs> that's the, that's the, the Riley in another universe. The yeah. universe. <laughs> like hasn't quite finished that one it's yet. still on that I'm, email. It's, it's like Dr. Manhattan. Where, like it's, it's, it's August 25th and I'm still reading still an email. Reading email. It's, yep. <laughs> it's October 7th and I'm still reading an email. <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining us today for season 30, episode 23 of the Happy Jacks RPG podcast. My name is Kimmy. My name is Riley. I'm Jason. And thank you to our chat mom, James B., and to our amazing Patreons who keep us ad-free and independent so we can play weird games that we love and that you hopefully like at least enough to kind of watch and we don't have to worry about sponsorships or ads of any type. Um, don't forget that our Discord has forum functionality, kind of. We're trying it. And Verk is giving away a copy of, a real, like, physical copy of the Deck in the Deck if you join happyjocks.org slash discord. And this week we are going to leave you with a song called Jenny of Old Stones, which is from the Game of Thrones, the Game of Thrones show. And it's by a band called the Mary Sues, which have a fantastic mandolin player in it. <clears throat> and she's amazing. And now I am totally just pitching myself. It's Kimmy. It's, a thing. it's me. Yes. And you can find them at marysuesband.com. So thank you all. And we will see you next week. High in the halls of the kings who are gone, Jenny would dance with her ghosts. The ones she had lost and the ones she had found and the ones who had loved her the most. The ones who'd been gone for so very long she couldn't remember their names They spun her around on the damp old stones Spun away from all sorrow and pain And she never wanted to leave Never wanted to leave Through the hole From winter